0: Greetings, greetings, greetings on this soulful Sunday, April 9th, 2023. I recently attended a panel discussion and the title of it was More Than a Notion, a discussion on post-traumatic slave syndrome and it is a book written by Dr. Joy Degree, a black intellectual, a black woman who was an intellectual PhD. And the panel were several PhDs as well as PhD um, people working to obtain their PhD. So it was an amazing panel and I learned a lot and so did the audience. But before I get into that discussion, it was held at a library here in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, the Allegra Westbrooks Library. So I've been to that library plenty of times, but I don't see anything. I didn't know who Allegra Westbrooks was. I wasn't born in Charlotte, so I, I don't know who she is. And I don't even know if if everybody <laughs> who who was born in Charlotte knows who she is. And next time I go, I'm going to look for a picture of her somewhere up on the walls because once I started looking into her, she's absolutely an amazing woman. She was born March 16th, 1921. And, um, you know, those were the days of deep segregation. Um, not that segregation has gone away, but it has changed its face. Um, And the language that's used to tell her story is different according to the source that you go to. So the first source I went to was the um, Charlotte Mecklenburg Library page. And they gave um, a, brief, a brief history of who she is, and that's what I'll share first. But the language is uh, it's a bit whitewashed like a lot of the history in America is. So, in digging deeper, it got deeper. (sighs) As a lot of things do. I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it light though. I'm gonna keep it light in honor of her, her perseverance, I should say. I will say, because I really admire her Her push, literacy matters, books matter, reading matters, access matters. And that all ties into the PTSS that's being discussed because it's not just a a traumatic event that happened. Like slavery happened, slavery ended, life moved on no that's not what happened the traumatic event happened our ancestors responded to it in whatever ways they did to survive and that they passed it down to us because that survival had to happen for any of us who's black to still be here those that came before us had to survive so i will get into that but for now Let's explore who Miss Allegra Westbrooks is. Here we go. So this first piece I'm reading is from the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library page at www.cmlibrary.org. And it's about the formerly... Betty's Ford Road Library. The formerly named Betty's Ford Library opened on April 20th, 1997, replacing the historical North Branch that served this neighborhood since 1957. This 19,645 square foot branch is located in the heart of Charlotte's northwest business and residential corridor and serves a population with diverse needs. In 2009, a renovation of the Bettys Ford Library began with the goal of updating and expanding the facility to meet increased community demand. During the initial phase of renovation, the branch remained open with limited hours and services. However, on June 19, 2010, in light of significant cuts to library funding, the Bettys Ford Library was closed to expedite the expansion and renovation effort. As part of the plan to cope with funding cuts, library trustees voted to approve a plan to make Bettys Ford Library the new regional library for the area, replacing nearby Freedom Regional Library. On june thirteenth, twenty eleven, the expanded Betty's Ford Library reopened to the public to serve the community as a regional library for the area. In April 2020, always a key year. A lot of things happened in 2020 that were not just uh the pandemic, COVID, outside shutting down, whatever whatever, you know, sticks out for you. But what's never really talked about, and this is the whitewashing that goes on, that was the year of protests around the world against anti-Black police brutality and murders of black men and women and even in the light of what happened to George Floyd's life how it was snuffed out the way it was people kind of say that one name, George Floyd so we know George Floyd's name not necessarily the names of those who committed the murder But even in the light, or rather the shadows of that activity, Ahmaud Arbery happened, and Breonna Taylor happened, and names that I don't recall right now, but more than so many happened. So now, I didn't even know that the naming of the library happened. I'm almost... (sighs) so the naming of the library happened in 2020 and Charlotte North Carolina like so many other places there were things that streets got painted with slogans and um, it's funny because one of the panelists from the PTSS panel discussion talked about being a diversity implant in her corporation. Uh, So diversity implants happened uh, 2020, 2021, and um, statues came down. I enjoyed that. At the time, I was working for a police department, um, a university campus police department, and the officers would um, there were white officers who would volunteer happily to try to protect statues from coming down you know, America is crazy <laughs> crazy for real when it comes to not apologizing not apologizing and rectifying the anti-blackness that is the poison in the system of America, almost anything is done other than actually trying to rectify the genocide, the mental, physical, spiritual, financial, social genocide of black people. But Allegra Westbrooks, and people like her, she's an energy. She's a person, but it's the energy of her that lives in me, that lives in you, that lives in anyone who understands that black people are significant. We are life, we are love, we matter for real, not just for a a moment in time, but as part of all time and our contributions matter, and our lives really do matter. So I appreciate that I'm finding out about her because the library was named after her. Oof, but the process is interesting, I'll say. So and anyway, in April, 2020, the branch was renamed to the Allegra Westbrooks Regional Library Betty's Ford Road in honor of Allegra Westbrooks, the first time a library branch has been named for an individual. Miss Westbrooks, who was the first African-American librarian at the former Public Library of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, called the Betty's Ford Road Community Home. Miss Westbrooks was hired by the Public Library of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County in 1947 Prior to desegregation, Miss Westbrooks managed the only library serving African American residents in Charlotte at the time, the Brevard Street Library for Negroes. <laughs> in 1957, Miss Westbrooks was promoted to supervisor of branches, making her the first African American public library supervisor in North Carolina. She served in this role for many years. Overseeing significant expansion of the library system until her retirement in 1984. Miss Westbrooks passed away in April 2017 at the age of 96. Long life. Wow. So that is a brief overview, and the irony of them naming this library after her in. The neighborhood that it's being, it's currently being gentrified. gentrified, And that's just the truth of it. They'll give the library the name of Allegra Westbrooks, but again, I don't know if her picture is anywhere in the library. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go look for it the next time I go there. But they'll give it the name, you know, name the building after a black woman. But the neighborhood, They used to be ignored, um, fiscally ignored, financially ignored, um, run down and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's in the shadows of Johnson C. Smith University. It's not not far. It's about a 10 minute drive from Johnson C. Smith University, which is an HBCU. And Johnson C. Smith University is the highest point in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know it because I used to work there. That's where I got my degree, a bachelor in uh, criminology. And I learned a lot about the history of Johnson C. Smith University and how it has been coveted by investors. Uh, I guess since mid-2000s. Well, we're not even mid-2000s yet. Um, 2010 or so, it's been coveted because it's very near the downtown area. And so the downtown has grown so much in Charlotte that they're starting to expand. And when you're at Johnson C. Smith University, you can see a lot of the city. So they want to build. Investors, real estate investors and others want to build. It started out with Bringing the light rail through, um, cutting off—they brought the light rail right through a whole neighborhood, knocking down people's. I mean, the classic American gentrification playbook is going on right now. When you go to a supermarket over there, it's white people are not scared to come into a black neighborhood. They're jogging, they're walking their dogs. They're shopping, women alone, older men, all kind, all kind of white people. They're they building their houses there. Um, that neighborhood is actively being gentrified. And it's just interesting how black people are being pushed out of the neighborhood. But they'll name this building after a black woman. Yeah, they'll do that. But try to buy a home in that area and see what happens as a black woman. Mm. So the next article I'm going to read goes a bit deeper into her life uh, during the time of uh, segregation. Like I said, segregation definitely still exists in America. If you live in America, you know what I mean. If you live outside of America and you happen to visit, you will quickly see what I mean. And people will attribute it to finances. But finances come with levels of education and access and job opportunities and all kinds of stuff. This stuff is so deep. But it's people like Miss Allegra Westbrook's that keep pushing no matter what. They keep pushing no matter what. And we still here. And I'm thankful for that word. This next article is also from the CMS Library website, www.cmlibrary.org. The title of the article is The Pioneering Woman, A History of Allegra Westbrooks, and it was published on the site on Monday, February 1st, 2021. Allegra Westbrooks was the first African-American public library supervisor in North Carolina. Miss Westbrooks grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, where she spent her childhood peeking through the windows of white-only public libraries. Her mother, a school teacher, passed a love of books down to her. She attended Fayetteville State Teachers College and Atlanta University, where she received a Bachelor of Library Science. A Bachelor of Science in Library Services. When she moved to Charlotte in 1947, only two libraries existed for the Black community, Brevard Street Library and its quote-unquote sub-branch in Fairview Homes Public Housing on Oaklawn Avenue. Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, then Public Library of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, Okay, I just need to pause. So it was a public library. But the public couldn't come. The whole public couldn't come. Okay. Uh, hired Miss Westbrooks in 1947 as the head of Negro Library Services. Of course, okay, so there was the public library. And then there was the Negro Library. PTSS. You see how it is threaded throughout American society? Simple thing just like going to the library. So for those who know and those who don't know, black people were not allowed to read for quite a few hundred years. But of course there were those among our ancestors who learned how to read. That was part of us getting free. So um, when it was time to be able to be educated and and read books and write books and um, serve to teach others how to do the same, there were those who, um, like Miss Allegra Westbrooks, who were into books the way she was. And there were those who were not, attracted to reading and still not to this day the aversion to something that you got beat and even murdered some of our ancestors beat murdered maimed for trying to read so not wanting to or having an aversion to reading who runs deep it runs deep. So she worked to attract the Black community to the two branches that were available. To attract the Black community to these two branches, Miss Westbrook launched a campaign to host prominent speakers at Black churches to sell the gospel of books and reading. And this is in this... <laughs> I'm reading the article now. The gospel of books and reading. Um... But the reason I brought up the fact that black people weren't allowed to read is, it's not that we're stupid, which is a, a big myth. That when people are, black people are educated, it's like, oh, you speak so well. Oh, you're so intelligent. It's not, ugh, let me get my emotions out of this. <sighs> <clears throat> It was very, very, very intentional. By those who want us to be alive, physically alive to serve them, but mentally dead so we don't serve ourselves. To keep us from being educated in any way that would benefit ourselves. So, People like Allegra Westbrook's, because I'm focusing on her, are important. But your mom, your grandma, your dad, your grandfather, your uncle, your aunt, your cousins, who are the readers in your family, who love books, who write books, who recite poetry, who write, who know their vocabulary words when it comes to the test and the exams. Don't mock them. Understand that that is a survival tactic passed down to them from somebody in your family history. And if you're the one who loves books and loves words and loves reading and love learning, that's a survival tactic that helped get us free in the ways that we are free. We're not free in every way, but we're free in a lot of ways that we didn't used to be. And we it would do us well to embrace that more. To continue, to attract the Black community to these two branches, Miss Westbrooks launched a campaign to host prominent speakers at Black churches to sell the gospel of books and reading. She also visited the Young Women's Christian Association, the YWCA, and Girl Scouts to form coalitions to increase the usage of Black libraries. Miss Westbrooks influenced many people to go to libraries through her public efforts. Many community members remember her visiting them with a bookmobile. Oh wow. To inspire them to read. That's beautiful. Miss Westbrooks said, It is gratifying when you'll be on the street and see somebody and they say, I use the bookmobile. I want you to meet my four children. I insist that they read. She would also pick up books that the black community requested at main library once a week because they felt safe with her. So they allowed her to come into the library and pick up books. Um, The library system was desegregated in 1956. So she worked between 1947 and 1956 as the lone book person but she wasn't alone. That's something about the black community. They supported her in in their ways and so with that support she was empowered to do the work she did. Oh I love finding out about her. This is beautiful. The library system was desegregated in 1956 but the Brevard Street branch continued to operate until December of 1961 when it was closed and demolished as part of the Brooklyn Area mm, Urban Redevelopment Project. So this gets even deeper. Again, I'm not from Charlotte. I was born in New York City. Um, (laughs) There's a part of New York City that is named Brooklyn, but that's a different story. But I learned about the Brooklyn area situation here in Charlotte by going to the Harvey Gantt Museum quite often, that's another place I go to quite often. I love that place. Um, the Harvey Gantt Cultural Arts um, Center Museum. But that's where I learned about Brooklyn and Brooklyn was a predominantly, well, it was all black because it was an area that was thriving during segregation, not unlike Rosewood, not unlike um, Greenwood in Oklahoma that was torn down, demolished in the ways that it was. And the Brooklyn area of Charlotte was gentrified and demolished. So that's where the library that she worked at was located. Wow. So in preparation for the demolition of the Black neighborhood and retrieving what they could from the Black neighborhood, Ms. West Brooks was promoted head of acquisitions at the main library, the Charlotte Mecklenburg Main Library in 1950. The library officially integrated on November 19th, 1956, so she was hired pre-integration. And although most Black people couldn't come to the main library, they would allow her to come that, you know, that exceptional Black person. So. It's interesting, um, to be the exceptional black person and and be able to move in the different circles. And that still occurs today. That's a part of PTSS. Some people do it well and they're able to still, you know, be in majority black situations and areas and and bring positive energy to their people and be authentic about it. And also move in the white circles and be an acceptable, exceptional (laughs) black person um, in those areas as well. And I'm laughing because one of the panelists, uh, she was actually the moderator. Her first name was Ashley. I don't remember her last name. Um, I believe she's also a PhD. And she was very proud of being able to move in corporate white America (laughs) until she began her healing journey and she realized so much of what was happening had to do with anti-blackness. And choosing the one, well, you can come and you can be over here with us. And then you go speak to, to the rest of the Blacks. It's, it's really atrocious. Um, but it's, it's a form of survival that we have to be honest about for ourselves, for our own well-being <clears throat> individually. And I loved how the young woman, she was in her 30s, the moderator of the panel I'm talking about. And she was honest about her healing journey and she had grown up in a mostly white environment and had gone to mostly white schools because that's what happens in black America. We are taught that everything about us mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything about us is wrong. And what we need to do is do it like the white people do. Everything. Now, I believe that all cultures can learn from each other and we can share best practices, but that's not what happens. Everything about us is considered not right until white people do it. And then it's like, okay, it's mainstream now. So it's, it's a lot. Now I'm, talk, I'm doing this podcast, but I'm literally processing it as I'm doing this recording and I'm not cutting it off because this is real conversations that we have with ourselves, just trying to process what success looks like and what making it looks like. So going back to the moderator, she loved being on the panel with three Black women who do the work of mental health and wellness in the Black community. And my favorite, I'm biased. Isis Bay is one of my greatest teachers. I will say that for the rest of my life. And um, she has become family. And she, listen, she's unapologetic in her process. And I'm looking forward to more, to the world, hearing more of, of her healing model that she's building right now in her phd studies but that's another story but that name isis bay yeah she's a history maker for real um but yeah the young lady who was raised to do everything the best right like the best schools the best jobs um But at the point when it became unhealthy for her and she realized it and she realized all the layers of unhealthiness that occurred over the years, she's now branching out from corporate America into her own entrepreneurial efforts. And I wish her the very best. Um, But she realized that her efforts would have been... um, more significant had she applied them to the black community earlier but it's all a journey it's all a process and the phenomenon is that a phenomenon the first black this the first black that has always bothered me because it's not that Allegra Westbrook's or any of the first, even let's go Obama, first black president, it's not that they were the first who were actually capable of doing it. They were the first who were accepted, whether out of necessity, because let's be real, when (laughs) people... Like those who conquered other people go into conquering them. It's not always with bloody knives and guns and kill, murder, kill. Most times it's psychological. And if we get in deeper, it's spiritual. It's come with a smile, come with gifts, come with. Oh, it's not that I don't like. It's just that you don't have the credentials or the experience. But how long can they say that without having, you know, They because they want to use our money and our time. So look, we pick one. We even pick two. Look at us. We have three. But all of y'all can't come so there's there's a there's a there comes a time when those of us who are black will say, "I center myself in my story, and we did that during segregation that's why there was a black wall street that's why there was a wall, a, a rosewood that's why there was um What's that community that was torn down to build Central Park? I forgot the name of that, but that was that place in New York City. So although we weren't in Africa anymore, we definitely had the community and we still have the community mindsets. But when they did well, when they did well, surrounded by people who don't want to see black people do well. Not for real. Not for real. Who don't want to see black people centering their own selves and their own stories. Not for real. Maybe a little bit is interesting. But when we center ourselves in our own stories, we don't care if it becomes mainstream or not. Yes, it makes more money. But well, sometimes enough is enough. So I do admire Allegra Westbrooks and her survival and her resilience, and because of her, because of her countless black people in Charlotte, North Carolina became literate readers and advance their families' socioeconomic standing. So now it's time for us to advance our mental health and wellness, to heal from PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome. It's up to us, it's up to us. And again, that moderator, Ashley, I gotta get her last name, Who chose to let go of corporate America and focus on building herself and those around her. Because honestly, when we are our best selves, we affect all other communities. Just like the Asian community. They center themselves. They center themselves unapologetically. They don't need to be accepted. They don't... They're not included in a lot of quote-unquote mainstream white stuff. And not that they don't care, but they do very well among each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I love that. They have their own new year. <laughs> Chinese New Year. Everybody knows about Chinese New Year. There's nothing wrong with diverse cultures centering their own story and that's what black people have to stop apologizing for it's okay for us to center our own stories because when we ask for permission that means somebody can give permission i'll put it like this if somebody can give us permission they can also take it away I'll leave that there. In finishing up this article, uh, Miss Westbrooks was promoted Head of Acquisitions in 1950 at Maine Library, Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, officially integrated on November 19, 1956. Hoyt R. Galvin, Director of Libraries 1940 to 1971, spoke to her undeniable skills and knowledge. Her recommendations were good, and I was pleased to have her join our staff. But I didn't realize the library and the community were getting a jewel. She carries a major responsibility for the countywide public library system in coordination of adult book selection and is head of all book acquisitions in a day when one thousand new book titles are published every day. This is a major task. There are subject specialists who know the literature of their field in a superior fashion, but Miss Westbrooks is the most knowledgeable all around book specialist in North Carolina. Miss Westbrook's career with the library spanned. 35 years, but her legacy continues today. She is not only honored for her incredible achievements as a pioneer in the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library System, but also for the many extracurricular activities and organizations she served on. In 1969, she was named Outstanding Career Woman of 1969 at the Gold Rose Awards hosted by the White House Inn. I'm going to close out the episode with an excerpt from an oral interview with Miss Allegra Westbrooks herself. This interview can be found on the Brooklyn oral history.charlotte.edu website, and the interview was done. April 2007, which means Miss Allegra Westbrooks was 84 years old. And this portion of the interview is her speaking about the collaboration as well as the opposition she received from educators in the area pre-integration when she had the bookmobile set up outside of schools trying to let children know what uh, book resources were available to them for free. Here it
1: is. It was very cooperative. And when I took the bookmobile to his school because the library was lacking in books, I remember the county superintendent happened to come when I was out there one day with the bookmobile. And he said, what are you doing with this thing out here? You just get it away from here. Get it away from here. And I said, well, Mr. Wilson, that was his name. I said, the school library doesn't have uh, books to serve them. And this was a a central place where I could meet them. And he said, well, get it away from here. Get it away from here. So I moved. After that, I moved the Bookmobile about a block further down the street where it wasn't on the school ground. And director of the library whose picture is here told me he said, Well I tried to tell you, say to you that school libraries would never become what they should be if we, the public library, continued to serve them. If we serve them with the materials they need, they don't they don't need to have good libraries. And so on that occasion I moved the bookmobile, say maybe round right in the next block so that I served the same children, and they came to the bookmobile where you saw those pictures, but they, uh, at that time, I wasn't on the school ground. Now, one of those pictures you took, I think I was, on the, one of those I shared was on the Sterling Elementary High School grounds, but after the superintendent, uh, county superintendent, I told you his name while before. I said his name, Mr. Wilson. Mm-hmm. After no. he ran me away from there, I, we moved the bookmobile to another spot. And...
0: So, yeah, she, um, <laughs> she sounds adorable, right? Um, so she had her battles and she fought them in her way. And she won because she kept the bookmobile going and she served the children with the books. And it's interesting that, you know, she she got backlash and support for getting, for helping children to read and have access to books. And it was weird that her boss, who supported her work, told her that the schools would never have good libraries if we continue to serve them. That's a ridiculous argument. They can have both. How about that? It's books. It's books. How you make somebody better by not helping the kids? What was she anyway? We know it wasn't about the books. It was about keeping those children lacking. And she wasn't having that. So thank you, Miss Allegra Books. And remembering you and honoring your work with helping ourselves be literate, our family members, our friends, our community. Yeah, that's how we continue your work this is done being done in honor of you i appreciate you you are appreciated your memory lives on forever Ashe.